Hello, transfer pricing executives. It's Matthew DeMello back with another great episode of The Fiona Show. Cross-Border Solutions weekly transfer pricing podcast. Take out your laptops. You're going to want to take notes on this particularly educational episode. Clay Ayers is here. What do you mean? Who is Clay Ayers? Clay is a transfer pricing genius with more than 20 years of experience managing tax and transfer pricing for multinational companies. Today, he's going to tell you all about it, but more about him later. Fiona is here, of course, but you knew that. And Millie diaz Calladrero, one of Cross Borders Transfer Pricing Managers, is here. We're super happy about that. Millie is based in South America and works out of Cross Borders Solutions Argentina office. But since she's visiting this part of the world, we thought it was a perfect time for her podcast debut. Welcome to the show, Millie. As always, you can earn CPE credits for listening to this podcast. All you have to do is email the two code words that we've planted through the course of the show. Send them to The Fiona Show, all one word at xbs.ai and we'll send out your certificate. That's probably the simplest transfer pricing task you've ever had. Am I right? Okay, before we get into it, let's take a look at transfer pricing in the news. If there's one guy we don't envy these days, it's Pascal Saint-Amans, the director of the Center of Tax Policy and Administration at the OECD. Saint-Amans has the impossible task of rewriting the international tax and transfer pricing system to incorporate our digital world and even more difficult to get the world, or a large number of countries anyway, to agree on it. A unified approach to the OECD's Pillar 1 proposal floats the idea of giving certain taxation rights to a country that's home to an MNE's digital users, whether or not the MNE has a physical presence there. And that was a huge part of the discussions at the recent sixth annual Tax Sunday event in Washington, D.C. St. Amans reminded the group of tax experts from the OECD government organizations and corporations that the purpose of the unified approach is to stop countries from going round and round in their discussions and to move forward. Super important if the OECD is going to meet its end of 2020 deadline for a multilateral solution to taxing the digital economy. Next, he spoke about how developing countries could benefit from the three tiers of profit allocation, dubbed Amount A, Amount B, and amount C. Not the most creative names, but what do you expect? They're tax professionals, not podcast writers. In terms of identifying the residence country or investment hub that will have to forego a portion of residual profits to market countries. Hey, stranger things have happened, although I can't think of any at the moment. More research and maybe more convincing is needed. Note to St. Amans, if you pull this off, it might be a good time to ask for a raise or better yet, come be a guest on the Fiona show. Sorry, koalas and kangaroos, but you're no longer our favorite things about Australia, not since the introduction of Simplified Transfer Pricing Record Keeping, or STPRK anyway. The concession allows taxpayers to minimize the cost of compliance and obviously record keeping. If you meet the criteria, the ATO won't review your transfer pricing transactions. That's right, mate. Of course, make no mistake, the authorities will invest some resources to make sure you really do meet the criteria. This is still the ATO you're dealing with, after all. Speaking of criteria... It's constantly updating. The latest in September, the ATO released an updated practical compliance guideline, which has changes to the STPRK's interest rate threshold. Low-level related party inbound loans will have a maximum interest rate of 2.33% for 2020, reduced from 2019's 3.76%, which is likely to mean fewer taxpayers are going to meet the STPRK requirements. But don't write it off just yet. 
The minimum interest rate for low-level related party outbound loans for 2020 is now 2.33%, also reduced from 2019's 3.76%, which means more taxpayers may be applicable. The takeaway, just because you qualified before doesn't mean you qualify now. Hint, hint, time to revisit your transfer pricing documentation. Those simplified rules aren't always so simple now, are they? Don't hit send if you're submitting CBC notifications to Greece. As the Greek Public Revenue Authority will tell you, email is so yesterday. In a new circular, that's number 1341. If you're interested, the authorities are instructing taxpayers to submit those revealing notifications via an electronic portal on the tax authority's website, effective October 15th, 2019. And speaking of electronic submissions, Nigeria is also planning an eco-friendlier approach to documentation filing, not only for CBC reports, but for transfer pricing forms as well. So far, no date on when the Giant of Africa's electronic portal will be open. And though it might be a big step for Nigeria, we're reserving our applause for the first country to accept documentation on Snapchat. So... We promised you a guy with great transfer pricing experience, and here's where we deliver. Clay Ayers leads the tax department at K2M, a medical device company in Washington, D.C., where he develops and implements tax strategies for entities all over the world. And how's this for an interesting experience? Clay just happens to be overseeing transfer pricing through the company's acquisition, which means these days, BEPS is probably the least of his problems. He's here today to tell us about his work life before he hit K2M. He wowed tax departments at Circo, Watson Wyatt, Web Methods, tackling worldwide compliance, global tax strategies, implementing systems and procedures, and tax planning. It's a busy job, but someone's got to do it. Welcome, Clay. Thank you so much for being here. And Millie, I hand things over to you. Hi, I'm Matthew DeMello, and you may know me as the host of the Fiona Show Cross-Border Solutions Weekly Transfer Pricing Podcast. And while I I love to discuss transfer pricing. This podcast isn't the only place you can hear me doing it. Cross-Border Solutions recently relaunched Transfer Pricing University, a live webinar series where you can learn about modern-day transfer pricing, everything from methodologies to comparables to preparing documentation to meet country-specific regulations. Good stuff, I know. Chief Economist Mimi Song leads the sessions. I just ask the occasional obvious question. Since our program is NASBA certified, you can earn one CPE credit for joining each session. Pretty sweet. So what are you waiting for? Join us for Transfer Pricing University every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Classes are free, so now you really have no reason to miss it. Sign up at xbs.ai slash tpu. Okay, thank you, Matt. Uh, and thank you, Clay, for joining us. Before we get started sure. on transfer pricing, uh, let's learn a little bit more about you. Where are you from originally? Okay. Um, I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. I uh, grew up here and uh, have spent my whole career in the uh, D.C. area. Great. And how did you get into transfer pricing? Um, well, after graduating, uh, you know, undergrad, I went directly into uh, tax. I started in public accounting with uh, the accounting firm Arthur Anderson, um, so that dates me a little bit. <laughs> um, and at the time, Anderson uh, was the only uh, a major accounting firm that were taking people directly from college into their tax uh, you know, division. And that was of most interest to me. 
And um, at that time, uh, it was primary compliance, you know, when you were a first year and second year um, person. But uh, after leaving public accounting, the, uh, the company that I started working for as a manager uh, had uh, significant global uh, operations. And though I had heard about transfer pricing in college, I had no exposure to it. I didn't really get any exposure to it in uh, at Anderson either. Because most of my client, or all of my clients, were uh, were domestic banks and uh, U.S. real estate. Uh, so this first company that I worked for out of college uh, was the first exposure, and 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 I've always been kind of intrigued by it because I've always enjoyed uh, you know the the global aspect of business, and so it fit really well. Now that you have more than 20 years of experience in transfer pricing, what do you find interesting about it? I find the interaction with the uh, local operations in the in the various countries that that our business may be um, either uh, in historically or considering uh, expanding into uh, the most intriguing, the most interesting stuff about my 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 tax career. Um, I've enjoyed traveling. I've had a, uh, I've been very fortunate to travel a lot with uh, with with my career, in my career, with the companies that I've worked for, and so transfer pricing has always allowed me to you know get uh, intimate with what that business is doing uh, outside the U.S. So uh, it's very easy if you're sitting in the U.S. headquarters to get up and walk down the hall and speak to somebody and get more details. Uh, much more difficult if you've got a, a different culture um, that you're, you may be dealing with that you may not be familiar with. For instance, you know, we had operations in the Philippines or we had the operations in, in Japan or something like that. So traveling and getting to know the, the business managers, the management team on the ground, even customers, understanding how the business Uh, was really operating and whether it was different than how operations uh, currently existed domestically has always been uh, real important to me. And as you know, you have to have those details in order to identify, you know, uh, the business risks and, and such in order to you know, complete and fulfill the Uh, local transfer pricing documentation requirements. So you get a big picture view of the company, a sort of a bird's eye view of everything going on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and it can, you know, a, a global business is kind of like a quilt, you know. Um, from the big picture view, it's a nice big bedspread. But when you get into the details, uh, you know, the stitching is different. Um, and depending on, on where the business is, is and, and what the business is doing in those jurisdictions, most of the companies I've worked for had had multiple verticals, multiple divisions, and some of those divisions would be stronger in some jurisdictions than they would be in others. And right. so there's always this, this balance of maturity. And, and right. so uh, getting to understand that and know that is, is uh, important. And you can't always get that from your annual report or your 10K filings sure. or even talking to people in, in, at the domestic uh, level. So um, let's look a little bit deeper into Trump's pricing and the company itself. How long have you been working with K2M? Uh, with K2M for almost six years. Okay, and what can you tell us about the company? What's your role there? 
K2M is a medical device uh, manufacturer that is specialized in the medical devices for complex, minimally invasive spinal surgeries. So if there's a major deformity uh, or if there's a major accident, um, the types of, of devices, implants, uh, and surgical instruments that are used in those operations are uh, designed, manufactured, and distributed by K2M. And what is your role at K2M? I have been the, uh, the head of tax, the global director of tax uh, for K2M. Okay, so as, as the global head of tax, how big is your tax department? How much time and staff are allocated for transfer pricing? So the company itself, just to give some materiality to this, the company itself does uh, about $300 million, uh, of revenue on a worldwide basis. Roughly 30% of that is outside the U.S. Um, and so we have three tax uh, staff slash professionals at, di at different varying uh, degrees of experience domestically and one dedicated uh, tax staff in, uh, in the U.K. where our, uh, our European finance hub is, if you will, um, that person reports to the uh, EMEA controller um, locally, but works directly with us in the, in the tax department. Mm -hmm. In which other countries does K2M have entities? You mentioned the UK, Philippines. Uh, yeah, so we distribute uh, products in 30 countries, but we have uh, subsidiaries in seven of those countries. So. Um, we have Italy, Germany, uh, Switzerland, Austria, uh, the UK I mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, Philippines was for another country. And uh, in Asia, we have Japan and, uh, and Hong Kong. What has happening from a transfer pricing perspective in those countries? Um, what changes have you observed over the years? Most recently, uh, we have been very busy with a couple of audits. We have an audit going on in Germany. We're on our second round of audits in, in Italy. Prior to these audits, we had audits in uh, the UK and in Canada. But uh, those audits were, were, I would describe as kind of by the book. Um, also in, in Germany, the, the audit has been by the book. The, the challenges in, in some of those countries is just getting the material that, that they require uh, to complete their audit. But Italy has been a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. um, we have been audited uh, in Italy for 2014-2015. We've settled that audit, but they came right back around and have uh, requested to audit us for 16 and 17 as well. We're probably, if I was to estimate how much time, you know, the timeline, we're probably halfway through the 1617 audit. Um, the challenge in, in Italy uh, has been that they are very by the book, but it's not a book that's been published. Uh, it's, it's not what you, it's, it's not what, what we were, you know, necessarily accustomed to when you sit across the table from you know, a tax authority. They are very, very aggressive in the way that they approach you. We would have, for instance, the, the, the actual story is uh, 
we would have a receptionist um, that would get approached by two tax inspectors who are very aggressive, have guns oh, wow. <laughs> uh, on their on their waist belt, and issue documents that are uh, a lot like being subpoenaed. Um, and you have uh, a very, very quick turnaround. And this is the poor receptionist, right, at the front, <laughs> front, front door. Um, and, and in our uh, main office in Milan, uh, we, didn't, we don't have accountants sitting there. Right. Uh, the accountants are in our U.K. subsidiary as our financing hub for the EMEA uh, region. Um, and so this startled, uh, obviously, her um, and the only other people that were in that office at the time were, were salespeople, uh, medical device salespeople. And so obviously no one knows what in the world uh, these guys meant, uh, mm -hmm. but it's kind of a scare tactic. So that was a huge eye-opener for, for us. Wow. Um, it's just that we had fallen on their radar because the amount of intercompany transactions that we reported on our income tax return. So in, in Italy, when you are filing your corporate income tax, you also have to disclose how much of those uh, costs are from intercompany transactions and how much of that revenue is from intercompany transactions. And it was a significant amount, a material amount that put us on the radar. And so that you know, generated a, uh, a, a, an art township or in that jurisdiction where Milan is located. Um, so yeah. you know, that was startling. Yes, no, no, I, I have to say this is not the first time I hear such an anecdote from related to the Italian tax right. authorities, yes. Um, and, and what right. did you learn from that experience? Everything along the way was, was new and different for us. I mean, we had our transfer pricing uh, documentation available, ready mm -hmm. to, to hand over. It wasn't in the Milan office, so we, we needed to get that to them. Um, it needed to be translated into Italian, which we uh, were able to do within their timeline and their deadline. Um, but the, the information request that came back as a result of that uh, and the um, uh, and, and the face-to-face -face meetings that we had to have in order to explain what our business was doing um, were uh, very onerous lots mm -hmm. and lots of time wow. um, they did not want to speak English uh, in these meetings so they we needed someone there that could you know assist me assist um, uh, our, our EMEA controller um, you know with explaining the accounting and such mm -hmm. and so it was just it was just very very onerous and they were very very detail oriented um, they wanted to you know get down to the invoice level um, And the invoices had to meet had to meet certain requirements in order for, uh, say, a deduction or an expense to be deductible. Wow. Um, lots of new stuff like that. Um, so, at the end of the day, uh, we settled with them. Um, we weren't in agreement with a lot of uh, of what they were um, suggesting, but the the thing that they they did not approve of is uh, that all of our comparables were qualified for their their local regulation so uh, we had some non-italian companies uh in the comparable uh group that they uh discarded and then they wanted to throw other ones in that were italian uh that they had found 
and we weren't really in agreement because those comparables weren't even in the industry that we were in. But they didn't understand medical device, the medical device industry, number mm-hmm. one. Okay. Um, uh, but it was not worth, you know, continuing to fight with them uh, over over this. We learned that after a while. So, you know, it was interesting just how aggressive they are, mm-hmm. uh, how detail-oriented they were, and how you really, really, unless you're going to try to take them to court on things, you really have to be ready to you know, negotiate and give in on a lot of things that we weren't expecting. So, Clay, tell us, how long did that audit process take in Italy, say beginning to end, from when you were notified to the, the end of the process? Yeah, the, the 14, 15 uh, audit period uh, took two years. Wow. Wow. And often it makes sense for a company to settle in a transfer pricing audit. Fiona, what does a transfer pricing audit mean for a multinational company? Obviously, a company will have to devote time, money, and staff and legal resources to the process, which, by the way, can go on for years. There are financial risks, of course, penalties, adjustments, and legal fees. But these days, with the media reporting everything that happens, the second it happens, you also risk your brand. Your company's reputation can pay the biggest price of all. Yes, indeed. That reminds me, our first CPE code word for this episode is publicity, as in bad publicity from transfer pricing audits can make a world of difference for your company's brand and not in a good way. Note to multinational companies everywhere. If you think the coronavirus has affected your bottom line, take a look at how it's devastated the economies of governments around the world. And where do you think tax authorities will look to make up for all that lost revenue. That's right, your transfer pricing. You can't afford to be non-compliant, but then you probably can't afford to pay for an overpriced consultant who bills by the hour either. Oops, sorry, big four. We've got the answer. Cross-border solutions, AI-powered transfer pricing software keeps you in compliance by preparing accurate, hyper-localized reports that protect you from transfer pricing audits, penalties, and adjustments. And our technology is available for one flat fee, a fraction of what you'd pay a big-name consultant. Again, apologies, Big Four. Stay in compliance and on budget with cross-border solutions, AI-driven transfer pricing software. It's no wonder we're the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. There we go again. I'm so sorry, Big. You know what? Wait, who am I kidding? Sign up for a free demo of cross-border solutions transfer pricing technology today at xbs.ai slash tp that's xbs.ai slash tp anyway back to you guys clay i understand that k2m is in the process of being bought and you're helping to transition the transfer pricing that's right well in that case let's talk about transfer pricing during a merger or acquisition fiona what specific transfer pricing issues need consideration when two companies are joining their transfer pricing well matt there are quite a few things to consider the integration of intangibles for example can result in a complicated web of intercompany agreements inherited transfer pricing structures may no longer work changes in the business could mean changes in the tp policy There are operational obstacles to consider, as well. If the TP processes are managed differently inside the two groups, then it could create inefficiencies and even add risk. Obviously, 
the group's compliance responsibilities are going to increase as well. And staying on brand, that is also reminding me of our second CPE code word, and that is integration, as in the integration of intangibles can result in a complicated web of intercompany agreements. Sounds pretty spooky for those arachnophobes on Halloween. Anyway, back to you guys. So uh, K2M, technically K2M has, has already been purchased. So K2M was purchased by a large competitor of, of ours uh, called Stryker, the Stryker Corporation. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're well-known, very, very strong, very, very well-run uh, uh, company that uh, has various different divisions, uh, one of which was Spine, uh, which we fit in very, very well in their overall jigsaw puzzle because we had a lot of very new innovative products, for instance, 3D printing and titanium for these, um, uh, for these medical devices that work much better in the body than the old historical alloys uh, that were machined. Um, things like that, that Stryker as a very, very large company, $15 billion in revenue, um, thousands of employees, you know, they can't turn quite as quickly as a $300 million firm that has all of its R&D in one place, right? So mm-hmm. we were a, 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 an interesting target for them. Uh, and um, and, and that, as far as transfer pricing is concerned, you know, the, the, the term or the, the topic of transfer pricing was, was hot and, and very um, at the, the, the top of, of a lot of uh, people's uh, concerns. Uh, during mm-hmm. the due diligence process, you know they didn't know us as well um, as they do today. Obviously, they had no idea how our transfer pricing policies were working, what methodologies we used, whether those would blend or merge or work well with with what they're already doing in those jurisdictions that they that we overlap with them. For instance, they have operations in, in Milan just like we did. Um, mm-hmm. They had audits in Milan just like we did. Uh, were their results the same as our results? Uh, were our methods used the same as theirs? If not, you have some reconciliation to do, right? You have to choose which one's going to win going forward. Um, and, you know, in all the jurisdictions that we had, um, you know, boots on the ground, they also had boots on the ground, but they were much more mature than we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that cut both ways. Sometimes having being mature and having lots of experience um, uh, may not be the best answer. It may be nicer to kind of start with a clean slate. For instance, in Spain, um, we had never been audited, uh, whereas they had been audited over and over and over again. Another jurisdiction that's very, very aggressive on their you know, transfer pricing audit um, activities. Mm-hmm. And so um, at the end of the day, management sits down and decides which, which, uh, which direction they're going to go and whether in which of the uh, the companies historically uh, utilized practices are going to win over and go and go forward as as being the you know practice of choice. Uh, that said, very very quickly, it takes a lot of coordination and a lot of understanding of both businesses, um, and you know so that's that's why I am still with the company and and uh, on a consulting basis and assisting them with the. The integration of, of some of that and everything else, because my tax department is responsible for everything that has TAX on it, 
whereas we're working with people that are very specialized either in transfer pricing or VAT or mm-hmm. U.S. corporate income tax, things like that. Right. In your opinion, what are some key aspects that you have to manage in the merge of two transfer pricing departments or two tax departments? Well, I think the key aspect is uh, methodologies um, determining whether you know we are producing and selling a product the same way and, and have a mirror um, of, of business risks uh, in the K2M business as, say, the striker business did. Mm-hmm. Um, in some instances, Stryker was manufacturing uh, their products outside the United States where, the, where K2M was manufacturing the products in the U.S. And so we were using a distributor um, uh, model to get those, those products to the customer. And, um, and, and maybe Stryker would be, in some, in some instances, not actually distributing but selling directly from the manufacturer to the to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So understanding, again, kind of back to where I first started off uh, explaining what was interesting about transfer pricing is getting to understand what's actually going on on the ground and not quickly assuming that just because they have common names and they're selling common products that they're actually being uh, sold the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's probably the largest. And then, you know, merging and, and preparing for that uh, that, that next chapter where K2M and, and, uh, and Stryker, for in this instance, are, are one company now. New intercompany agreements need to be put in place. Maybe cost-sharing arrangements need to be put in place. Um, those types of things, uh, mm-hmm. those are all important as well. Mm-hmm. I agree, yes. Um, let's, let's talk about the due diligence period in terms of a merge. How long does that last? Um, what was that time like for you? Um, so we have been in that integration phase for nine months, and things are going well, but the regular day-to-day things have to go on as well. So, you know, the corporate federal income tax returns, the state income tax returns, all your day-to-day or month-to-month filings and those types of things have gone on. On top of that, you've got this integration team that is reporting up to upper management team uh, as to how these businesses are coming together. The whole reason that Stryker wanted to purchase K2M is for the synergies, the cost savings opportunities mm-hmm. and synergies there. And so you, you don't reach those, those peak synergies until the companies are actually merged and actually brought together. And before you bring two entities together, uh, you, you got to make sure that things like the accounting, the revenue recognition, the transfer pricing, you know, the, the compliance and all that are ready to turn on as a merged uh, company. So uh, I would imagine this is going to continue to trickle on for easily another year. Um, does managing a transfer pricing merge shift your priorities in any way? Yeah, well, they do because, number one, where it's coming down from, right, the, your direction and your control is coming down from the upper management team saying, we need this done, and if transfer pricing is the thing that hasn't been ticked off and signed off as, as being completed, you've got that stress uh, to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're also doing audits and you're trying to settle audits and you don't want to merge the two Italian entities until you have a settlement on this, this last round of audits, you're trying to push, you know, the the auditors to be as quick as, as they possibly can. Sometimes, you know, they're, they've been 
uh, understanding of that, um, and it helped that in this Italian example that they had already done uh, two years of auditing uh, roughly a year and a half ago. So uh, some of it was a little more familiar. At least they had the prior work papers, and so you could push it, you know, to the front of the line. But everyone wants their, you know, as, mm-hmm. I, as I explained earlier, Stryker being a large company with different divisions within their tax department, each one of those division heads wants their particular uh, specialty to be done fast, right, and to be done quickly. Um, and, you know, so you're always managing time. Clay, when we interview transfer pricing professionals on the show and at our summits, we hear that transfer pricing is a big priority for the tax department, but not necessarily the company overall. And I'm wondering if that changes during a merge. Does transfer pricing move up in the priority list to the front of the line as a holistic concern for management on down at that point? Um, Well, I can tell you, you get no free pass and you don't get to butt in front of the line with transfer (laughs) pricing. Um, And unless you're a squeaky wheel, right? Right. And so, you know, I've got a few years under my belt and I've learned the hard way. You know, if you're not squeaky enough, you don't get the oil. So, um, that's funny. I put transfer pricing ahead because I appreciate how much work goes into it. And I've, you know, live through the two-year process of, of, of only one small audit from a small country like Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and so I'm fearful of all of the 10 or 12 different jurisdictions that could all rush together at one time once they hear that Stryker has purchased K2M. You know, that was what I was fearful of, is that, oh, goodness, if our intercompany transactions were large enough for us to get to land on the radar of the tax jurisdiction in Milan, um, I can't imagine, you know, what these other countries may think when they hear or read that K2M was purchased by Stryker, a $15 billion company. That looks like deep, rich pockets, right? And so they may just fly in and say, look, before you complete your merger or go forward and do anything else locally, we want to, you know, audit your books, make sure the transfer pricing is is proper and uh, make any adjustments that are necessary before we'll approve you of restructuring or reorganizing or, or what have you. And so, you know, I just brought those fears to uh, the top with the management team um, and let them know that this is real stuff. Uh, we have a history with Italy of being very difficult to get through, and it's not quick and easy. And so we should probably put this at the top priority of our due diligence because I see transfer pricing being more complicated than income tax audits. Income Mm -hmm. tax audits, you've got the documentation. It really doesn't uh, tangentially, uh, you know, go off in in different directions without, you know, any guidance like this last audit kind of did. And transfer pricing is one of those things that not a lot of people understand and not a lot of people appreciate. So it usually falls to the tax folks to, you know, just take care of it, right? Mm-hmm. What strategies, if any, do you use to align the to transfer pricing departments? How, how do you get two companies on the same page, not only in terms of compliance, but also in terms of how much of a priority transfer pricing will be for the expanded company? So in, in, in this particular merger, it, it has been better than it could have been. Uh, because Stryker is large and because Stryker has also lived through the same types of stories that I've told you today, 
they're very aware of what this all can be, and they have a department specifically focused on transfer pricing. They have people in, in mm -hmm. a group or a department that only deal with transfer pricing, and so it was simpler, uh, in my mind, for me to directly communicate and, and, and coordinate with them because this was a high priority for them, obviously. Mm -hmm. I have been in other mergers uh, in, in prior lives of mine where they didn't have a tax department that was as sophisticated. And so, you know, you're constantly trying to uh, figure out, okay, which one comes first? What do we address today? Um, and it's usually the stuff that is immediately you know, needed, whether it's a deadline for an income tax return or a deadline for a sales tax, you know, audit or whatever, you know, transfer pricing or anything else can kind of fall to the wayside. Here, it was a lot, a lot more uh, congenial and a lot easier to come to agreement as to what the game plan was going to be, how we were going to make sure that, that the two companies were uh, in line with each other and picking uh, you know, what the future was going to be for, you know, transfer pricing uh, documentation. What kinds of things did you have to look at in terms of transfer pricing documentation? The transfer pricing group at Stryker uh, reviewed all of our transfer pricing studies, came back with questions. At the end of the day, they're making the end call because with the, the seller and not the buyer. So mm -hmm. they, uh, they had the final say in, into what went where and and, uh, and what changed, if anything. We were there to explain why we did things the way we did things and anything else that, that, that they may have questions around as opposed to making final decisions on uh, which direction the new company would go. And what about intercompany agreements or TP policy? How are they affected? Uh, all the intercompany agreements had to be changed eventually. Well, taking a couple steps back, the two companies merged because they're looking for synergies. And the synergies are gonna come in cost savings. And that means that fewer people are gonna be left to do the same amount of work in, in the future, right? So first they have to figure out who's gonna stay and who's gonna go. Then they have to figure out how the, the local subsidiaries are going to merge. Uh, as a result of that, they are gonna have to figure out how the accounting, how the you know, tax, how the transfer pricing, all those types of things are going to change. Knowing those those facts uh, and factors, you know, is how you come up with your game plan. What about technology in the tax department? Are both companies on the same page with using technology as a solution, as a tool? I would say no. I, I would say that they, as sort of a practice, it was noticeable that Stryker outsourced a, a lot of the compliance whereas K2M used both cross-border solutions and uh, some smaller uh, boutique firms in, in the local countries where we didn't have the, uh, the materiality to put our fingerprints on it ourselves, for instance, like a, a small jurisdiction like Puerto Rico. So we had kind of a combination of things, combination approach uh, to how we met the documentation requirements um, at the local level, whereas Stryker used one of the big four firms to pretty much do it all. Do all the documentation, they would probably get the information requests uh, together, submit those to the Stryker team, the Stryker team would, you know, get that stuff pulled together, review the review the uh, files and sign off on, on the uh, 
on on the work. Uh, whereas we were uh, picking and choosing which which jurisdictions we had time and and bandwidth to approach based on the materiality of of the of the business in that particular jurisdiction. And before we wrap up, I want to ask, with your 25 years of experience in the industry, what do you feel like you've learned in this merge acquisition experience, Clay, uh, about transfer pricing that increased the breadth of your knowledge and experience in this area? Maybe something you feel like you didn't know uh, or understood before. I think, you know, purely from a transfer pricing perspective, uh, you know, I think I, I learned that uh, in a larger company, a company the size of Stryker, um, they get away with a lot more um, uh, cookie cutter type of uh, approach where they they've learned or they've decided that you know they're going to take one method and they're going to apply it to every single business that they possibly can, and whether it's surgically right or wrong, they're going to. Uh, ignore, you know, the, the 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 potential exposure on the margins. Whereas in a company the size of mine, 300 million in, in revenue today. But you know, when we started the first transfer pricing analysis for K2N, the company was only 100, 150 million at, at the most. But we were rushing to get our transfer pricing, uh, you know, in in place before we. You know, landed on some jurisdictions, uh, you know, radar and and got caught, you know, empty-handed. So, um, because the company is much smaller and our department and our focus is much, you know, narrower, we put a lot of effort into getting every T crossed and every I dotted. And I think that's important for a smaller company, um, as we saw in in the Italian audit, because the volume of transactions is more limited than it would be with a larger company, they were able to drill down and ask for invoice details. You know, they had time to drill down and look at our comparables and, and make you know, decisions as to whether they liked that company or didn't like that company. And, um, and we had our ducks well in a row, but they still struggled to find things that were wrong. And and like I said earlier, they ended up just throwing out some of our comparables, which changed, you know, uh, some things, but not materially. They got some tax from us, um, but that was because we were willing to settle and not willing to take this to an appellate level or something. Sure. And I think technically we were right uh, from an OECD perspective, but at the end of the day, you know, the OECD isn't sitting on your side of the table helping you argue. Uh, you're arguing mm-hmm. with you know some local tax authority who has a whole different agenda than you may be accustomed to. So that was a little eye-opening to me. I, I was a little surprised that, at how much risk that the larger companies leave in the margins and kind of cookie-cutter from one to another uh, as much as they possibly can. Um, and, you know, if you step back and think about it, that's because there's only so many resources and they just prefer that if they come under a hard audit, then they'll throw the professional services at it to beat down, you know, the, the tax authorities in that area and settle on something, I guess, and move on. Whereas a smaller company like ours, the thought of having a, a transfer pricing adjustment was just, you know, 
I don't, I don't mean scary, but you know, it, it was almost like embarrassing. I, I don't want that. That's interesting. So the bigger company looks at it as the price of doing business in that case. That's right. That's yeah. a good way to put it. Yep. A global pandemic, a grim economic forecast, feeling the squeeze, an R&D tax credit can help lower your burn. If you qualify, the IRS and some state governments will give you a tax credit equal to 10% of your company's spend on development activities. You can even take the credit against payroll taxes if you're in the red. All you have to do is claim it. So what's stopping you? If an expensive application process is turning you off, sorry, now you really have no excuse. Cross-Border Solutions AI-driven R&D tax credit software eliminates the need for pricey consultants and allows you to apply for R&D credits all over the world for one low fee. After all, why should you have to spend your whole R&D tax credit on getting your R&D tax credit? It's your money. Keep more of it with Cross Border Solutions, the global leader in AI-driven tax solutions. Request a demo today. Visit xbs.ai/rd. That's xbs.ai/rd. Uh, well, you're clearly a busy guy. We're not going to keep you much longer. Hang on, Clay. I said not much longer. Not we're done. In fact, it's time for my favorite part of the show. No offense, transfer pricing. What we want to know, here's how it works. We put a transfer pricing expert in the hot seat. Clay, that's you. For a rapid fire round of career questions. Are you ready? I think so. That is question one. Here's what we want to know. What is the best career advice you've ever received? I think the best career advice that um, I received was back in my public accounting days. And um, it, it had to do, I can't specifically remember what the actual words were, but um, the gist of it was being a good team member. And, uh, and if you start out as a good team member at the staff level, you will eventually be a good manager. And being a good team member, you learn the, the ebb and flow of conversations go, expectations are, and, uh, and that eventually molds you into a better manager. How do you handle your bleep hit the fan moments? The way I hit those, or the way I uh, handle those is, is I go directly to, uh, typically I, I report to the CFO. So the CFO is uh, where the buck stops. Um, pardon the pun, but uh, I, I would get up as soon as I hear about it. I would get up and I would explain to the CFO what I know, uh, what my initial gut um, uh, thoughts are, and, uh, and, and let, that, let that person know what my plan of attack is to uh, either determine more information or rectify the situation. Never let it stew. Never try to cover it up. Uh, that never seems to work. Uh, on that note, tax directors are often put in sensitive situations with CFO CEOs all the time. What are your strategies for managing up? Uh, clear communication. Um, most of the uh, CFOs that, that I have worked for um, have been folks that have not had any tax experience, uh, have not under truly understood for instance, transfer pricing, the transfer pricing topic. They know that means setting a price for something that you're buying or selling on an intercompany basis, but they don't typically have any real understanding of how, how that all comes together and the restrictions that you're really under. 
you know, some of the some of the biggest struggles that we in tax typically have is getting you know the the CFO or the VP of finance and uh, and planning to understand that management reports are not transfer pricing and that we need you know some some it makes more sense to the company from a resource perspective to uh, lean more towards the transfer pricing uh, model within their management reporting as opposed to you know management reports that are kind of made up you know as they go you know in terms of how they're going to book intercompany transactions because we would just have to find those things and then correct them on the fly which takes a lot of time and subjects you to more errors indeed indeed in thinking of your biggest mentor what have you learned from him or her the mentor that sticks out in my mind is uh, a guy named daniel clark he was an auditor at uh arthur anderson um he's been someone i've followed and stayed in touch with uh my whole career he recently retired uh, he's teaching at a local university now um but i see him not on a regular basis i see him a few times a year though um and uh you know he's the one that that uh just you know emphasized the importance of teamwork has emphasized the importance of communication probably the one that i you know i, I envisioned as when something happens I, I i think well how would dan handle it you know that guy is the guy that, that comes to mind a lot and uh he's been a great example um i haven't made too many big mistakes in my career so uh, I was lucky to have met him early on, and uh, and and I really admire him because he's you know got he's got great standards and uh, high morals, and uh, has been a good person to uh, to have uh, you know sort of tailored my career off of. Indeed, indeed, and the great thing about mentors is if you ever do make mistakes, they're the first people you can throw under the bus. So. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's how I always think of my mentors anyway. I'm kidding. Anyway, who knew mergers and acquisitions when combined with transfer pricing anyway could be so complicated? Thank you so much again to Millie and Clay for being here and sharing this priceless expertise. And there's a lot more where that came from. Subscribe to The Fiona Show on iTunes or Spotify and we'll deliver the transfer pricing goods every week. And since you're there signing up for podcasts already, you might as well subscribe to our sister podcast, The Fiona Show, Hot Off the Press where we'll give you transfer pricing headlines every week. This show was edited, engineered, and hosted by yours truly, Matthew DeMello. Mary Lynn Mitchum-Strom writes our scripts. We'll be back next week diving into more in-depth transfer pricing topics that we're betting you don't want to miss. 